So they're like, yeah, you can come back next Saturday at the exact same time. And I'm like, great, thank you. Welcome back to Backyard Bonfire. I'm your favorite host this episode, Andrew. Um, here to talk, you know, to the fire wrapped into my cozy blanket, you know, looking into the void, seeing what it says back to me. Today it's saying maybe to go set the world on fire. Maybe that was, you know, the band fun or something else. Um, I can't wait to tell you folks about all the things I haven't had a chance to tell anyone else this week, because I save it for the show, and some good, some bad. I've had a fun week overall. Um, first and foremost, while I record this episode, I'm listening to the Stardew Valley soundtrack. You guys can't hear it, but I have to listen to something so my headphones don't turn off. Uh, and I recommend the very, very calming music that is the Stardew Valley soundtrack. Um, it's the kind of soundtrack that I've definitely, what's the word, pondered buying, like, the record version of. And I don't have a record player, so I don't know why I want the record version. Uh, this past Christmas, I got the record version for the soundtrack of the Mystical Ninja Goemon. You know, one of my favorite games of all time on N64, or Goemon's Great Adventure. Um, and I feel like Stardew Valley is another one of those where the music just is a bop. But, but I guess, I don't know if you could call, you know, really calming music a bop, but it hits just right. And, like, I don't have a record player. I don't know what to do with these, with the records I have. You know, they're brightly colored vinyl, so they're pretty. Maybe I'll hang them on a wall. Maybe one day I'll have the space for a record player and actually listen to them. But, you know, I like the idea of owning records, even though I don't have a record player. It's that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Stardew Valley actually made a tiny bit of news this week. Nothing crazy, but Phil DeFranco, famous internet personality. I don't really follow him, but because I follow Stardew Valley things, uh, he came up. And, you know, dude's got a, a million millions and millions of followers, very famous, seems like a good dude, uh, he decided he was going to try Stardew Valley out, and he went the Jojo route. And let me explain to you folks what this is. Uh, I've talked about this game several times before, and in Stardew Valley, you're, the, you're a guy who's tired of working at a deadbeat, terrible mega corporation. It's called the Jojo Company, and you go inherit your grandpa's farm, and you start a simple life. Now... At this point in the game, very early, you have to make a decision. You know, you're a week into farming, and the mayor asks you to help him, you know, restore the community center, and you're presented with two options. You can do it the hard way, you know, you, the, you can find all the different fish and the different forage, the different things you need to forage and mine the different stones, and, like, you donate those to the community center, and it gets restored, and the forest spirits come back, and they help you out, and they're thankful thankful or you can buy like your membership card at the mega store instead of uh, Pierre's local shop and then you can that converts the community center into like a warehouse for them and then you improve the community by donating money to that 
and people think of it as, you know, the evil root because it's the evil corporation. So Philip DeFranco made, you know, minor headlines, you know, when he satirically, unapologetically said he would, you know, go the Georgia route and no one could make him feel bad about it. So that was, you know, a fun moment in internet history. And then the next day he offered an apology for going the judge out saying he thought he could change them from within. It's a very funny tweet. It's, 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 you know, a paragraph. So I'm not gonna quote the whole thing, but he went on about, you know, trying to change the company from within, you know, those Jojanomic trickle down effect. He was trying to prevent all that. And as far as apologies go, Oh, like, even though it was, you know, purely for comedic effect, it was, a better apology than I've seen from like real life situations, which is a huge shame. Really <laughs> it was that funny and like that much better than actual corporate apology. So yeah, he apologized. It was a real shame. Um, and it got me thinking, Andrew, maybe you, want to get back into Stardew Valley and do a Jojo route because it's been a long time since you do that. So I've been pondering this dilemma because I really enjoy Stardew Valley. And there's just too many other games I got to get through first. I'm still playing Pokemon, still working through that, enjoying that immensely. But Stardew Valley just is always pulling at my heartstrings because I believe it was my goal last year to get the full thousand point all achievements and I didn't do it. So I'm going to I'm getting pulled towards that now again. But the other part of this that I want to talk about with the Jojo route is that the other raging debate in the community is the debate about Pierre, the local shopkeeper, who you help out by not going the Jojo route. You know, you buy local, so you buy from Pierre. But he's kind of a dick. And you sell him your your fruits and your vegetables, and then he pretends they're his own, and he, he resells them, and he's like, oh, I grew these in my back garden. Wink, wink, without, you know, giving you credit for being his back garden. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, you know, he's upsells it tremendously from what, you know, he pays you for it. And it's, he's kind of a, kind of a, kind of a dick move, Pierre. Um, so, you know, there's a whole debate, who's a real bad guy? Is it really Joe Jamar, or is it really Pierre? Um, dudes never open on Wednesdays. What's up with that? Like, I gotta sell things every day. Can't be open on a Wednesday. What kind of person's open on a Saturday and Sunday, but not a Wednesday? Take Saturday and Sunday off, you buffoon. Um, so yeah. That's, that's the Stardew Valley pulling at my heartstrings again. Probably gonna go back to that at some point. Um, I also found out my favorite, uh, video game Expo got canceled because the Expo Center got sold in 2021 to a trucking company. So they don't have enough time to find a new location in 2022. So so here's the thing. I've been to this thing two years now out of the past five. I think the first, maybe past four, the first time I went had to be 2018 or 2019. And then it got can I didn't go a year or it got canceled because of COVID. And then I went and now it's been canceled again. And so I'm at the point where like 
since the moment I discovered it, I've only gone like half the possible years, which is a real bummer. So the real the real story there isn't that the expo got canceled. They'll find another location. There's always another video game expo around. You know, I'm sure the Rosemont Center has something. But the Odium, where this place was being held, is the expo center that got sold. And that's been like an institution, you know? Like, that's where, like, they have hockey games and, like, the semi-pro indoor soccer. And, like, I always loved going there and being like, one day I'm going to play indoor soccer here. And I've, I never got that opportunity. And now I'll never have that opportunity. So that's kind of a bummer. You know, I never, <laughs> you know, rented the space to play indoor soccer at the Odium, which was always a really cool idea to me. But I guess the writing was on the wall because even when you drove in for like a convention or something, 80% of the parking lot was filled with like trucks and shipping containers anyway. So it's not a huge surprise that this came. It's a little bit of a surprise, but not a huge surprise. What else happened this week to me? Uh, car stuff. Check engine light came out of my car, took it to the dealer. They said, you got to have an appointment. This is new because I've never had to have an appointment with them before early on a Saturday. So they're like, yeah, you can come back next Saturday at the exact same time. And I'm like, great, thank you. But no one wants to drive a car with a check engine light for a full week. You know, that's just going to make the problem worse and possibly more expensive. Um, Yeah. And then I was driving home and... There was this car behind me with the brightest lights I've ever seen. We are at the point, folks. Car lights are way too bright. And I know it's because, like, the measure before was wattage. But wattage doesn't translate well between, like, old incandescent lights versus, like, LEDs now. Because LEDs take way less wattage to be way brighter. So we got to measure this in, like, lumens or something now. But this car was so bright and was following me home for like 20 minutes and making every turn I made, I legit pulled over into like an alley just so I didn't have to drive in front of this car any longer because my eyes hurt. I don't know if I was like bit by a tick and got Lyme disease and it's just I'm just this sensitive to light now. But like it felt like when you're a kid and you're like trying to stare at the sun, but not really stare at the sun just to see how it is. And then your eyes hurt and like, you know, the burn in on your eyes is there for a bit and you have to like close your eyes and like try to rub out the burn in for like 30 seconds. That's how bright the lights of this car were into my like mirror right into my eyes. And I even tried to like flip my rear view mirror like up so I didn't have to like look at the lights. That didn't help at all. And then I tried to like fidget with the mirror to like shine the light back at them, but I, you know, I don't know if that's actually doing anything or not. Uh, and I decided that the safest thing to do would be, you know, instead of try to get the light to shine back into the car, hardest car behind me, to just literally just pull over. And part of me wanted to like beckon to them to like also pull over and tell them how bright their lights were, but. That's never a good call. You know, you don't know what people are thinking in cars. So, yeah, I legit, I pulled over, like, two minutes, three minutes from my house because, like, it was that frustrating. And I sat there for, like, three minutes until my eyes felt better because no car's lights should be that bright. And it wasn't his brights. That, that I'm certain of. It was just the car's lights were that bright, which is even worse. Um, beyond that, 
I'm a I've I've been really into cherries lately. Uh, I saw this really cool dish on the internet. It's like a Persian rice pilaf dish, pilaf, pilaf. I don't know how to say it. Um, uh, and they it uses like showered cherries. It's called like albalu polo or something. And it looks very delicious, and I want to try it. I couldn't find the right kind of cherries because it needs to use, like, sour cherries or tart cherries. Cherries aren't in season this time of year, so, of course, you know, hard to find. Uh, I didn't check the freezer section. They might have been there. So uh, I was searching for other cherry things I could make, and I ended up making a pineapple upside-down cake. And I know you're thinking, Andrew, a pineapple upside-down cake has pineapples. What the heck does it have to do with cherries? Well, let me tell you. It also has cherries with the pineapple because you got your little rings of pineapple on the, th on the, okay, so this where it gets confusing, on the bottom because this is an upside down cake. So, what's so you put the pineapple ring down and you put a little cherry in the center of every ring and it looks really cute and real pretty. I've never made a cake like this before, so I was really proud of myself. You know, it's a very simple cake to make. Betty Crocker's website, very sweet, uh, almost too sweet, but that's okay. Um, so yeah, I make that, you put it, and then here's the kicker, you, you know, you got your pineapple on the bottom with the little cherries, and then you flip the cake upside down, so it's on top, that, you see, the pineapple upside down cake on top, you, you, you get, you get it, you get it, it's, it's a whole thing. Um, so yeah, that was exciting, I got to try my new whisk technique I learned that I shared the other week on Final Ember. Y'all, y'all can't tell me you forgot about that technique because I've employed it since I've I've shared it. I can confirm it checks out, makes whisking easier. Highly recommend. Um, yeah, I was very proud of myself for making that pineapple upside down cake. The cake cooked perfectly. That's always the worry with cake is you don't know if your oven temperatures are. I have you know the oven thermometer, but you never know how it's going to turn out. It turned out fine. I'm happy with it. Nothing crazy. Um, beyond that, um, I just want to talk about a few things I watched this week because um, we have come to the decision that the Q-Busters is on hiatus for a while while Ken, you know, focuses on more important things in his life, which I applaud because, you know, got to get that money. And Q-Busters, we, we'll we can always come back to it later when... We both have more time for it. Um, so, I watched a lot of things this week that I want to talk about. First and foremost, Home Team on Net or yeah, Home Team on Netflix. Um, so this is a comedy based on, <laughs> by Happy Madison Studios, I think, uh, based on a real true story of Sean Payton getting suspended from the NFL, so Sean Payton's a coach, getting suspended from the NFL in what was known as Bounty Gate, where basically the coaching staff was paying, was incentivizing players to hit up opposing players hard enough to injure them. And that's a big no-no when you, you know, say it blatantly like that and offer people money to hurt other people. You can't do that, not even in the NFL. So he got suspended for a year, and he coached his son's football team. And that's what this movie's about, is him coaching his son's football team. Um, I thought it was kind of good for, um, you know, a movie that, like, that's a very serious issue. 
topic, you know, that impacted many people. People got hurt because of it, but I thought I handled that well. It, you know, it was a, it handled that stuff very lightly because they didn't want that to be the focus. You know, it was a family movie first, and like, you know, it's like, okay, we know this is a serious issue. We'll say it's a serious issue. It's complicated. We're not going to get into it. Well, let's focus on the kids part of it. And I thought it, it was a, it was a fun watch. It wasn't, you know, the super laugh on the floor roll on the floor laughing funny eyes like tearing up funny but you know i thought the jokes were good they weren't too cheesy i wasn't you know rolling my eyes or groaning at a bad joke and there was you know good a good amount of references here and there that i appreciate and if you're a football fan there's you know some more specific stuff thrown in there that's also really funny um kevin james plays sean payton he was he did a good job. He has had good like chemistry with a lot of the different actors and actresses in the movie. Um, his kid did a good job in the movie. Uh, I enjoyed it. It's on Netflix. It's lighthearted. You don't have to think too hard about it. Um, and I think part of the reason <laughs> I watched it is because, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, and I'm sure it was totally intentional, Sean Payton retired from the NFL this year and there's no way that's an accident this totally helps Uh, I guarantee this is going to help more people watch the movie because he retired you know just perfect timing um yeah that was a fun one recommend it the the other thing I watched was the alpinist I think Dr. Brother Rob recommended this to me there was another climbing movie he watched called like 14 Peaks or something. I got to watch that. But this one is called The Alpinist. It's about a climber called Marc-Andre Leclerc, um, uh, who's described as like a very intuitive, gifted climber who like, he doesn't, you know, have like climbing training. He just does it and he does it well. And he's at the point where like, you know, expert level climber. Um, But, you know, previously most well-known climber from Presol, Alex Honnold, like defines his style like you know starting in a gym you know like more regimented you know it's a little different like this like they clearly have different styles i suppose and this one talks about uh mark andre and like he's a very free spirit and he cares about the climbing more than you know the actual making of the documentary and like he disappears at times to just go climb and like like it's what he lives for, you know, it's like, if he's not climbing, he's not living his life to the fullest, and these movies are always hard to watch, because climbing is dangerous, and um, this movie goes places that uh, are hard to talk about, don't want to ruin anything one way or the other, really young kid, he's a really gifted climber, and what what it's about is, you know, he decides he wants to start soloing snow covered mountains, you know, Alpine mountains, which are a whole different beast compared to like a dry rock climbing. Um, and he's absolutely incredible. The way he, he switches between, you know, the techniques for climbing on snow and ice versus on rock. And he's like changing out his shoes and he's, has no gloves on and like, you know, it's freezing. And the way these, he's 
using these like climbing picks astounds me because like he sticks them in and like you know all your faith is in those picks and i if i'm climbing i would guess you would you know have the pick you know attached to you like a wiimote you know wrist strap something so if you drop it it doesn't go anywhere but no he just sticks it in and then he like lets go of it and he climbs and then he picks it back up or he like wraps it around his neck or his arm he's like yeah it'll it'll stay there and uh, it's very unsettling to watch how scary the different points he's climbing at are. Um, but it, the the people in it, in the climbing community that talk about him, that he talks to, it's it's a very good watch if you like documentaries. Um, hard to watch at points, but that's you know that's the nature of mountain climbing. Um, and then the last thing I watched that I want to share is um, the book of Bob- Boba Fett. It's not over yet. I'm enjoying it. Uh, this was the sequel season to The Mandalorian spinoff series, Disney+. Plus. Um, you know, Boba Fett had survived and he's returned. And basically the show's about him, like, returning to Jabba the Hutt's palace and he's like all right I'm gonna be the new leader here the new daimyo as they call him you know I'm gonna start my own Yakuza family mafia gang to replace Jabba the Hutt and I'm gonna treat these people right and it goes into like his background how he got there uh what his goals are what his identity is as you know Jabba the Hutt and I guess the not the consensus but the murmurings on the internet are like Man, he used to be way cooler in the movies than he is now. And The Mandalorian is all the cool stuff we wanted. Or not Jabba the Hutt. Boba Fett. Book of Boba Fett. Sorry. I don't know if I said Jabba Fett or Jabba Hutt. Whatever. Uh, man, Boba Fett used to be way cooler in the movies. And Mando's the, like the cool one now. And it's... I, I, I don't know if I agree with that. I think it takes takes a very different turn than what people are used to Boba Fett. I wasn't always... I didn't, I didn't get it when it came to Boba Fett. He had, you know, 15 minutes in the movie and he didn't say a word. And then in the prequels, he's just a kid. So, like, don't even see him at all in that. Except for him running away and watching his dad die. Not a thing at all. And, like... I'm like, where is all this love and fandom for Boba Fett coming from? Unless it was just the toy with the rocket launcher and like people just filled their imagination. I, I, I did not understand Boba Fett at all. And then the Mandalorian came out. I'm like, oh, if this is what people got from Boba Fett, I totally get it. Cause he's like this mysterious guy behind a mask. He's a badass. If you got a mask like that, the Mandalorian armor, you are badass. And that's that. Uh, so that show was fantastic, and then the spinoff came, and Boba Fett's, you know, he's a different kind of Mandalorian. He has a different code than the Mandalorian, and people are like, oh, he's a little different. I really like it, you know, because there's a whole lot of world building, a whole lot of background they can play with because he is the Boba Fett. So there's a whole lot more callbacks to Star Wars and stuff. I'm really enjoying it. And then this latest episode... um, no, I can't talk about it because that's too spoilery. But anyways, um, I think between the two shows, they're both cool. They both have their own unique styles, Mandalorian and Boba Fett. And I think they're both badasses in different ways. And I can't wait to see how they encounter each other in future shows. Because, you know, they, 
they will most certainly cross paths. Um, but like, that's my like required viewing every week is I'm always watching the next Boba Fett. You know, that's the show I'm looking forward to right nowadays. Um, so yeah, that's my little rundown of what I watched. Things that all belong in your queues, go watch them. If you want something serious, I recommend The Alpinist. If you want something lighthearted and funny, go watch Home Team. Or, you know what, watch 21 Jump Street. I just watched that. It still holds up for the most part. Um, some stuff doesn't hold up, but still pretty good. Or, if you want, you know, the super nerdy stuff, go watch Boba Fett. I enjoy it. They do a lot of, like, flashback stuff. I really I really enjoy the flashback stuff because it's, like, helps build out who Boba Fett's character is now, you know. I like a good origin story. Can't deny a good origin story. Um, watched all those things. Enjoyed them. It's a short episode this week, folks. You know, there's playoff football. Gotta go watch the playoff football. The show's over now. But don't lose your temper. So here's one more thought. It's the final embers. So I'm going to leave you with this final ember. Hopefully it's useful to you like the whisk final ember was useful to me. It's about toothpaste. As you all know, um, the proper amount of toothpaste on your toothbrush is a pea-sized blob. Some of you might think it's a little bit more, but no, it's called a piece. It's a pea-sized blob is sufficient. I still can't help but put more blob on my toothbrush, but it's a pea-sized blob. And now here's a fun fact. The name for the blob of toothpaste you have on your toothbrush is called a nurdle. N-U-R-D-L-E. Two word to include in your Wordle game, but it's called a nurdle. Fun fact. Um, the real final number piece of advice is, though, you, you, you're probably brushing your teeth in the wrong direction. Um, the proper motion to brush your teeth is up and down rather than left to right. Left to right is more likely to uh, be abrasive to the enamel on your teeth, while the up and down motion is less likely to do that or less or more slowly do that. So there you go. Brush your teeth up and down rather than left and right, and you'll help preserve them longer. Thanks for listening, everybody. And remember, there's always room for one more at the Backyard Bonfire. Do, 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 do.